0: So, welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Paciuto, and I'm very excited to have Mr. Brian Cattell with us today. Brian, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I was born to give wrong advice.
0: <laughs> I like that. Can you give a quick introduction to the listeners?
1: Yeah, my name is Brian Cattell. Um, I'm a photographer. I've been doing photography for the uh, past seven years. I mean, it really started in high school many, many years ago, but really um, trying to be an artist... Uh, for the past seven, eight years, um, and kind of learning and developing my artistic style and, and feel and what I want to do in the photography space, a little bit of commercial stuff here and there, which I, I've waved off and I've just kind of purely gone to art. Um, and that's that's where I'm at now, focused mainly on black and white.
0: Yeah, I noticed there is a plethora of Polaroids black and white, namely in the gallery space that we're in right now. And Gummo Land is probably one of my favorite NFT projects that I've had the pleasure of viewing. Um, talk well, to me you. a little bit about the inspiration behind that project and sort of like what drew you to Polaroids in general and sort of like the whole sort of creative process to making that.
1: Yeah, you know, I got a Polaroid camera probably like two years ago, and it had just kind of been sitting there. I hadn't used it, Um, and I was really kind of interested in trying it out and, you know, seeing what the look and feel can do. Uh, Also, during the pandemic, I fell into a hole of a bunch of, like, indie movies and, you know, cult classic films and things like that, and a lot of them have, like, a particular weird strange and and awkward vibe to them Mm -hmm. you know they just uh they make you feel some kind of way you don't exactly know why or what it is but I loved it and I and I think that like especially with kind of low budget type things there's this like truth that seeps through it this um more genuine feeling than you know what you get from a lot of the Hollywood stuff and I've always been somebody that's gravitated more towards uh gritty and grimy versus shiny and polished mm. and so there was one movie in particular Gummo which was I mean it's, it's an uncomfortable watch um, but it it did have like a, a certain aesthetic mm-hmm. you know and it kind of encompassed the aesthetic that I was feeling from all of the films that I had been watching recently and uh we had kind of come out of lockdown. I just wanted to get out and get weird and get free. I've also always struggled as an artist uh, with the ability to to do my art to the fullest, you know, because there's a certain apprehension based on what other people might think um, yeah. while you're taking the photo and the photo that is produced. And, uh, I wanted to challenge that, and that challenge appeared in the form of masks and underwear.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know that's
1: how it that's how it uh, manifested itself. So I, I wanted to put myself and some of my friends in in awkward positions and see if we could fight through that awkwardness and actually take the photo, um, and just create some bizarre and questionable and, and interesting pieces. Um, and we went out one day and did that initially, and I took a step back and I was like there might be something here. Yeah. So and I continued to do the project.
0: That's pretty cool. And at yeah. what point were you like, I want to turn this into an NFT collection or was it from the start?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't. I was just doing it. And uh, I was in this artistic community called the, most fam- the TMFA Most Famous Artist Community. hmm this guy, Maddie Moe, had put it together. And um, he sat us down one day as a community. He's like, if you listen to anything that I've talked about all year, listen to this. I was like, all right, I'll pay attention. Um, and he showed us how to mint and what it was all about. And I did that, and then I was like, I, I don't know. I tried to go delete them, and somebody had already bought three. Oh, wow. So I couldn't delete. And you were shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Somebody bought my JPEG? Like I didn't understand. I just followed the motions. You know? Yeah. Um, but then I started to learn and understand the implications <laughs> of the whole thing, and, and, uh, and I started to take it really seriously and, and started to, to build the collection to fit in the NFT space because a lot of times stuff like this is, is difficult for people like it you know they really do like it but they're like oh, i can't hang that in my living
0: room you know i was gonna ask that question because like the living room test is one that like photographers talk about all the time and yeah like while the work is fucking cool and weird yeah do you question that ever like the the living room test you ever like wow like I'm looking at the one with which is directly over your shoulder, which is a woman in a bra holding a, a portrait of Jesus in her face. Yeah. that to me strikes the living room test. I would hang that in my apartment. Yeah, but like, does that concept ever cross your mind when you're putting the collection together? Uh, not anymore. So
1: I would say years ago, I think I think people take. Beautiful photos of horses, you know, (laughs) Um, and years ago I was at an art fair and this guy was selling photos of horses. They were really nice. I asked him what was up with that, how it worked. He made a lot of money off of these photos. And one time I was out and there was a horse and I'm chasing this horse around because I know that these, this guy talked about how these photos sold and probably passed the living room test with flying colors, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm chasing this horse around. I can't get a good shot. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I don't give a shit about this horse (laughs) and i had to stop myself and remember like this is not what you do yeah you know so i can't be concerned with the living room test i need to do what i need to do to produce what i want to make and um the nice thing about the nft space is that it's been an outlet for me to you know kind of kind of leave the living room test behind yeah
0: yeah. I'm super curious because what you said is interesting that like it no longer applies to you and you can take the NFT space out of it. But just from like a photography perspective, the living room test isn't important anymore. Does that come from confidence as an artist, like being able to be comfortable in your own skin and know the work that you're capable of creating and it's not something that you question yourself anymore? Like does that come with time? Because I can't relate to that at all.
1: <laughs> I don't. It doesn't necessarily come from confidence. It comes from trying the other route and knowing that it feels very wrong for mm. me.
0: Yeah, disingenuous to create something that's not you.
1: Right, that's that's where it comes from. Um, confidence. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be working on that for a lifetime. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Imposter syndrome, confidence. Yeah, yeah. I daily mean, daily reminder. It, it,
1: it gets. I mean, maybe it gets a little bit better, but you, whenever you like launch a new project or try something new, you know, you this,
0: it's there. Yeah, yeah. You've been a photographer for how long?
1: I would say doing it this way probably like seven years. Okay. Yeah.
0: And over that seven-year period, like, so I'm two years into my journey as a full-time photographer. It's been probably the most rewarding and also craziest two years of my life, which is both a pro and a con. Um, over the the biggest sort of hurdle that I've faced in my journey as a photographer is how I would be able to describe success. Right? So for me, when I was coming from a corporate America perspective, success is very easily to be measured by dollars. Right? So the thing that I'm trying to figure out from a creative perspective is what do I consider success? So over the course of your seven year career, and and as you sort of move on in, in your journey as a photographer, what do you look at? And how do you measure success?
1: If I make somebody cry?
0: not (laughs) (laughs) sales
1: if somebody looks at my photo and they have a very strong emotional reaction of some sort sort that that feels successful yeah it's i think one of the biggest compliments you can give a photographer is to buy their work Mm -hmm. you know um and that's always a goal i would like to be able to live off of my photography um but, yeah, I mean, it's it's when somebody connects to the work that you've made that, that feels really successful. Mm-hmm. I like that, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: there There is the validation factor that I get when I sell an NFT or I sell a print, um, which are just, like, beautiful, like, happy, happy occurrences, right? They're few and far between. Um, but, like, for me, like, I'm very confident in what I can do from a creative perspective, right? So I don't question that. But, like, I do find that what we've been able to, to sort of uncover in this digital space is like a lot of people that have been inspirations to me like I've made in real life friends with huge inspirations of mine I've you know Tyler James who was just here uh Stefan Vanasco who's been a huge inspiration to me um I'm super curious what type of inspiration you take from other people in the space and like what other photographers might inspire you
1: photographers in the space specifically or just or in general yeah you know that's always been a tough question for me because i feel like my inspiration first of all i'm not like um formally educated in some in in art or or photography per se Same. you know I, I had some in high school and a little bit in college but um and i've my memory retention has never been uh that great to remember names and associate them with the images that i've seen Mm -hmm. but i have uh i've I've consumed a fair amount of photography books i've consumed a fair amount of art and i've consumed like a fair amount of films and also music too Um, i was talking to somebody the other day that was here and they were like talking about rammstein and that, like, Rammstein is partly inspirational in these, in in the Gummo Land collection. Oh, interesting. You know, just kind of like that vibe that is kind of seeped into my um, under, subconscious. Under, yeah. yeah, my subconscious. So, to name specifically, and and I hope it doesn't s- seem like a cop out to be like no. to name specifically uh, any artist that that really inspired me is difficult for me to do. It's it's a general. Um, no, I feel you. Yeah, over time, what I've, what I've developed as, as inspiration for what, I liked, what, it, what I'm what i pulled towards,
0: gravitated towards. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I like to play around with is the medium that I'm using. So whether it's film photography or digital or you know, Polaroid in your case. Um, talk to me about like your own artistic journey. Obviously, you've got a tremendous amount of Polaroid work. But like, what medium specifically are you drawn to and like, what that process is like for you from a creative perspective? I think I'm gonna to continue to be drawn towards different mediums. Mm-hmm. You know, I
1: uh, I don't like to sit still very long. I like to continue to explore and do different things. I mean, back in high school, the first medium was film. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of pinhole camera, which I thought was really cool. Um, in college, it wasn't much. It wasn't much photography because it was like it. Right then, it was a weird time between film and digital, but digital sucked. Like it yeah. couldn't six really, megapixels. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't any good. Um, but when I picked it up seven years ago, um, again, it was it was primarily digital, you know. And as I did digital, I started to do a little bit of mixed media stuff. I would wheat paste my prints onto backgrounds. Oh, um, that's cool. I do things where I take 35, got into, back into 35 millimeter film, but I would like splice them with an X Acto knife and tape them together to make like different collages, um, and then the Polaroids. Um, so I'm looking to constantly like explore new ways to capture and present photographs. You notice we have TVs in here, and. Um, I've relied a lot on CRT TVs to kind of make new things. I'll photograph them, and you get the little lines, mm-hmm. and um, I'll do a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. So always exploring different mediums.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I like so I shoot a lot of personal work on film, obviously from uh, like a commercial perspective. It's digital, but there's something uh, simplistic and limiting about film, like especially medium format. I've got a Hasselblad in my bag that I find. Sort of like slows me down, and I'm a lot to, able to be a lot more intentional about the things that I'm creating. Um, and I think intention is important because if you're just shooting for the sake of shooting, there's not going to be any rhyme or reason for what you're creating. Um, talk to me about when you're putting a collection together, like Gummo Land and the intent behind it, and sort of like how that artistic process unfurls for you.
1: I mean, this this Polaroid series in specific, I've taken well over a thousand Polaroids. Wow. I'm sorry for your bank account. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you get into it and you just can't stop, you know? And, um, it's, it's very experimental and the process is a photo that makes me feel the way that I'm trying to have them make me feel, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I can have ideas that I go out to get specifically and they don't work. Yeah. A lot of time and effort. You go out there, you set the thing up. You're like, this is going to be great. You take the photos you're like, I don't understand why it's not working. Yeah. It's just not working. Um, I'm trying to learn how to call it earlier before I spend and waste too much time on that situation. But sometimes I'm or just Or packs like, of Polaroid. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I'm like, it has to work. Yeah. There's got to be the angle. Um, and then sometimes you nail it, you know. And um, other times it's, uh, it's kind of like a little bit of luck of the draw where the two pieces just happen to be there at the right time. And you're like, this is going to work great. Yeah. You know, um, there's a balance between pre-planning and freedom, Mm -hmm. or maybe there isn't a balance, but like sometimes the pre-planning works great. Sometimes when I allow myself to be free, um, of the pre-planning, I'm able to find something that I wouldn't have normally found. Um,
0: Can you talk to me about the collaboration process? Obviously, like a lot of your your photos have models in them or friends, as you were saying. Can you talk to me on how that process sort of unfurls? Because like for me, I find when I'm working with a model specifically, like that conversation and that sort of like evolving time period together is really informative about what I create. Mm -hmm. Um, How is that for you? It's. I mean, it's
1: good. I, I. In general, I'm able to cultivate, you know, pretty strong relationships with a lot of people relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm pretty easygoing and understanding and open-minded. So I, I try to get to know people as best I can, as quickly as I can. Um, there's been like I did this project Bear USA, which I've recently dropped, um, and those were nudes in abandoned buildings, and basically like we communicated through Model Mayhem. Met up and did the shoot within like you know a half hour of meeting. So I have to like
0: get I have very to, comfortable very quick. <laughs> I have to
1: I have to present myself and be um, somebody that makes them feel comfortable right off the bat. Um, but many of them that I worked with, then we we're, we're still friends. Uh, the Gummo Land for the most part is a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think they started to see the work and they were like, "Hey, I want to do this." Or like if I would ask them, "Hey, are you interested in?" you know, getting weird with me, they're like, yeah, let's do it. You know, and and I noticed for especially my friend Sarah, she's in the Jesus one. Uh, She's in a number of them, actually. For her, it was equally as much of a growth process as it was for me because we have the pig mask one where we're in front of a gas station. Yeah. And it's a busy gas station. Like people are going there to fill up gas on a regular <laughs> day in, in South Florida. They don't expect the shit, you know? Yeah, Right. And, and we're de- half naked Yeah. Yeah. The we're there mask. doing our right.
0: thing, you know, and I'm uncomfortable and she's uncomfortable and we walk through it. Um, Is there oftentimes like beauty in that, like awkwardness and like that, sort of what the fuck are we doing
1: that's exactly what I'm trying to express yeah you know and that it's okay and it should be celebrated like the world is awkward it's not nothing's perfect and I think that we spend so much time trying to be perfect yeah that it it gets exhausting yeah and it's like let's just
0: let it be you know no I agree with that completely you were mentioning like how you fail sometimes like you if you went out for a specific sort of uh, photo or like create a specific like story in mind mm-hmm. I don't do well with that like if I'm in the process of trying to create with someone and I'm failing and I'm feeling it like I get super in my head about it and I'm like fuck like I don't have the ability to sort of just like quit that like mental dialogue where I'm like dude you're blowing this um, talk to me about like how you sort of overcome that fear of failure or like that sort of mental process I don't think I do <laughs> yeah I mean, in the
1: moment it can be frustrating and it depends on who I'm with you know if it's somebody that's taken a lot of time to come join me um, and they're kind of doing it for free and they're expecting a photo out of it, then it gets then it gets difficult mm-hmm. It's probably one of the main reasons why I don't do like Com- commercial stuff. Well, one, because I'm not that interested in it. I think that would be the main reason. But the other reason is that I don't like that. I don't like the pressure. Yeah. You know, I don't know how people do weddings. I've done a wedding oh, or two. Yeah, no. And I can't handle it because I know these people have a very specific expectation. Totally. And like, th- there's this one moment where you get an opportunity to capture what they're expecting. Yep. And either you did or you didn't. Mm-hmm. When I go out to do art for myself, If it doesn't work, then nobody needs to know, unless it's somebody that like went out of their way to come and do it with you. And you're like, yeah, you can have some prints. And they've spent like, you know, time to get there and they're there doing the thing. And then you're like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to produce them. They're like, why not? Yeah. And you have to convince them it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know, so I think that's probably the most uncomfortable situation.
0: So there's from what it sounds like. And I think I would agree when you're creating art for art sense, it's sort of like a freeing sort of space to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. When there's no burden or pressure to perform for someone other than yourself.
1: Yeah. Other for, other than for myself. And I mean, that burden can be a lot too, you know, like it's uh, when, when I did the bear USA, I'm going to go back to that for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I had these models come with me to this abandoned place. We're not supposed to be there. Yeah. And it's like a window of four hours that I'm provided to go do this thing. And it's like, you're going to the performance or you're like let's say a basketball game for an example and did you play well did you win the game when you're there there's a lot of like self-pressure to be the best that you can so when you go into these shoots I would always get like a ton of anxiety am I going to pull it off today Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes sometimes I get that anxiety still you know
0: yeah it's for me it's like Five minutes before I pull my camera out of my bag and then once like I take the first shot and uh, like whether it's I'm digital or whatever it is, when I be able to look at the back of the LCD and be like, okay, like I know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. That sort of like puts me at ease a bit. Um, But yeah, like I, I struggle with that a lot. I think it's an incredibly common sort of anxious feeling when you're doing something and especially if you're in a place you're not supposed to be or, you know. Whatever. But yeah, I I feel that. Um, I I found my NFT journey to be super fun because I haven't put a lot of pressure on myself to be successful in the space. Like, I think everything that happens here is a net benefit. Like, more like the quote-unquote friends I've made along the way is what I take the most out of it. But like, I build up dreams that I have for myself, like selling out a collection or like getting uh, X number of collectors or reaching a certain sales price. Um, when you look at your journey in the space, do you have like specific goals in mind or dreams or something that you want like to see of yourself?
1: I, I guess it would be nice to be an artist that when you put something out there people gravitate towards it you know um to get in a place where you do have that creative freedom where if you spend time money and energy into creating these things you feel quite certain that people are going to be interested in it Mm -hmm. um and and be able to be creative and interesting in that way um and also, like, you know, building uh, building an audience and a, and a group of people that are really kind of enthusiastic about your work, which has happened and, and, and has been fantastic. You know, that feels really good. Yeah. Um, not only is it validating, it gives you, like, the energy that you... I think, well, I think validation can, can be important and serve a purpose in um, giving you more confidence in moving forward and continuing to create, mm-hmm. create new stuff. So... Um, and, and the community has been cool man like you know when I first got on I was trying to play the game and I thought it was like cheesy and kind of silly and like internet friends and yeah. you know i would never done anything like that before um, but then y- you get talking and y- you do kind of like start to build your community and people that you're drawn to and and um, explore the community as well and and gain new friends. And eventually I met a few people in person, which I thought was very out of character for me. Like, you know, and it worked out fantastic. I couldn't be happier. Like I met some wonderful people. And then this whole NFT um, NYC experience, everybody's so damn nice. Like I I didn't know that, that people were really that nice you know so it's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure yeah it's um, sort
0: of like the opposite of every in real life experience right, outside yeah. of art right
1: <laughs> yeah and, and so that's that's been very rewarding yeah. you know to have a concentrated collection of people that are like-minded and interested in doing the same thing and want to have discussions and conversations about those things
0: yeah I think that's the greatest net benefit of the nft space is the community building like there are people who will go out of their way to you know engagement farm and all that dumb bullshit that doesn't matter but there are people who genuinely are interested in having conversations with people like we're having today i've had brian on my podcast before and like just having conversations about life and art and every time you have those types of interactions whether it's in a twitter space whether it's in via email or dms or whatever that's a net benefit for sure yeah yeah at least i think so (laughs) Um, talk to me sort of about like your process, like from when you started, um, you know, what made you get into photography in in the beginning and then sort of like how you've made it to New York today?
1: Well, you know, I, uh, I, I love photography from the beginning in high school. Mm -hmm. I remember like every waking second I had a study hall, Mm -hmm. like I'd eat my lunch fast. Um, even in between classes, I would pop in there and do something. And it just became, like, a regular thing where my other teachers knew and my photography teacher knew that, like, this is, this is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love that, but I, I drifted away from that uh, once I entered college, started to try to go into advertising. That's kind of what I went to school for. Um, new media, as they called it then, which was, like, Photoshop and InDesign and all that stuff. And then uh, journal, journalism with a concentration in advertising.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But eventually I, I kind of, like, we're going to go – I'll just be very honest about my story. I kind of lost track of everything because I I ran into a pretty, I was a pretty heavy drug addict actually, an alcoholic. Um, So everything kind of fell apart and I had lost all interest in everything. I mean, nothing really mattered. You know, just everything kind of sucked. Um, But eventually I made my way to recovery and found sobriety. And four years into that, my roommate had a camera and he wasn't using it and i was trying to make t- I was starting a t-shirt company um, and i was doing a lot of photography for the t-shirt company with this camera i'd commandeered and all of a sudden i kind of became disinterested in the t-shirts and more interested in the photos that i was taking for the t-shirts and i had discovered that, like, I had met an old friend again. And hmm. I was like, oh, there you are. Yeah. So I'm trying, like, all these different creative things, advertising, T-shirt printing, graphic design, web design, uh, animation. Like, I'm doing all these things, but none of them are really grabbing on. And huh. then it was like when I got the camera, I was like, oh, yeah, this was the thing. Yeah. This was the thing the whole damn time. Like, I'd been exploring all these other things. They weren't quite doing it for me. That's so
0: weird. I have such a similar experience because like as a kid, so I didn't realize this, my parents sold their house about a year or two ago um, and when we were like boxing up the stuff and putting it in storage and whatnot, I found like all these like point and shoot like, you know, uh, disposable photos that I took like fourth, fifth, sixth grade of like me and all my friends like doing dumb shit. And I was like, I said to my parents, I was like, I've been a photographer for almost two years now. No one ever was like, "Hey, John, you used to like pictures when you were a kid." I was like, "Where was that?" Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, helping hand along. And it's super funny how you lose something like that and then find your way back to it because I did something similar in my early twenties. I was writing on the internet for like places like Elite Daily and like finding all these other, you know, doing music, all these other creative outlooks. And then you eventually sort of find your way back to to where you began. I, I think that's super funny that we have that in common. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah um talk to me about getting sober I know that's like you know not easy for people and I'm I'm kind of wondering how sort of finding yourself opened you up to be able to sort of find your art
1: yeah you know uh like it's it's tough to talk about addiction and sobriety to people that haven't experienced it because because um, it's it's you know you don't, it's not relatable yeah to some degree but um I, I learned, like, getting sober seemed like such an impossible feat. Like, it wasn't a thing that was ever going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just doomed to be this person that needed to do drugs and drink to feel comfortable in the world. Hmm. But I did find my way, and, and finding my way through that with the help of a lot of other people um, gave me this concept like, oh, if I can do that, then I can do anything. Yeah. Right? And so I started to take photographs and I had this concept of a project that I wanted to do, and I was like, oh, I can do that. Like, nobody has to tell me that I can't. I can just go do that, you mm-hmm. know? And I can achieve these things if I really want to. So sobriety was really a catalyst for me to understand that the world um, is available to me. Wow. And so I, I got into it and started taking on some projects of my own. And uh, and the difference between like then and now was like, um, You have a lot when you're, when you're drinking and using drugs, you have lots of great ideas. So (laughs) many, I have notebooks full of like great ideas. You're using great in air quotes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That never get completed. Yeah. You know, never. But now I have good ideas and I actually finish them. Oh. And that's, I, I didn't think that was possible either. Yeah. You
0: know, I think that's beautiful. That's a great sort of mind frame mindset towards like how you can like sort of free yourself up to be yourself. Um, so I've, felt like totally someone outside myself for the entirety of my 20s and one of the reoccurring things that I talk about in my podcast is like you know could 25 year old John have instituted the things that 35 year old John has learned and I've come to the realization that for sure not right like you live your life you learn lessons throughout life to get you to the point where at 35 you're able to be like holy shit like I know who I am um do you think like your younger self could have learned those lessons earlier or is that something that you think it takes time
1: I don't know. You know, like, uh, there's, there's this concept of kind of like being grateful for the torture that you went through. Mm. Because if you didn't, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't have an understanding of the world that you have now. And I think that that understanding does really kind of reflect in my photography this, this understanding of, of another side of humanity that's perfectly acceptable and should be looked at and understood. Um, and I don't think I would have that perspective if I didn't go through what I went through you know
0: so uh is that like an appreciation for life and 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 to some degree like you're just happy to be here yeah yeah yeah.
1: absolutely like there's definitely a lot of gratitude in that but there's also like a real understanding that like you can't um you can't dictate or presume that you know what somebody else's experience is so now for the most part when somebody tells me that they're experiencing something in some sort of way i have no right to tell them no you're not this is what's happening I need to take that at face value. And I think that that kind of understanding of the world does reflect in the work that that I create.
0: Wow. That's heavy. I like that. <laughs> no, no, cuz I relate to that a lot, right? Like because like I was a completely different person 2 years ago. So like what the pandemic in the last two years have done to me as a human being and then as an artist has been like transformative to me and i relate to that you know i didn't go through substance abuse problems i didn't have that like experience but i have other experiences and i think the best lesson that i've taken out of all this is being able to just be graceful and like be grateful right like we all go through a lot of shit like being able to sort of like be Understanding of other people has been a really great life lesson that I think I've uncovered in the last couple of years, and it's been great for my art. Yeah, for sure. Um, talk to me about the pandemic. Like, you know, the Gummo Land is sort of like a process that was, you know, or a project that was, you know, taken from you know, being sort of cooped up for two years. Um, How did that impact your artistic nature and your ability to create? And then sort of how do you see your journey kind of moving forward over the next couple of years is hopefully things open up a bit. (laughs) Well, um, in full
1: disclosure, I'm from South Florida.
0: Oh, okay. So you have nothing to worry about.
1: (laughs) So I think, well, I think my my pandemic experience was a lot different than most others. And, And when I talk about a lockdown, it was like, a month. Yeah. You know, they closed six days. They closed they closed the beach for a week. Yeah, right. You know, so my lockdown experience wasn't as debilitating as other other people. Um I mean I did have COVID early on and that was kinda scary. I had to stay inside for like, you know, seventeen days or whatever it was and And having no answers, it was really concerning, especially when they started talking about brain fog. You know, ever since I got sober, like, my ability to think clearly has become, like, the most important thing to me. Mm. Um, So the idea that that could be taken away from this was, like, that was pretty scary. Um, But there was a certain amount of, like, you know... Inability to be able to freely go do things, and I think that when I got together with my friends and wanted to start doing these Polaroid photos, it was really freeing. We wanted to take that freedom to the next level, you know, and enjoy it to its fullest capacity because it had been taken away from us, yeah. Um. And again, expressing that freedom presented itself in masks and underwear.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> in beautiful masks and underwear. Yeah. Well, maybe not another pig one, but yeah, it's a little scary, but yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, so like I, I, because I'm new in this industry and sort of like building my creative career, I have got like a bucket list of shit I want to do, like whether it's Working with a particular music artist, or you know, being published in a certain editorial, um, because you don't look at like the commercial side of things. Do you have like dream projects? Do you have like sort of like dreams that you like look at from your from your career that you want to see yourself accomplish?
1: I do kind of have one dream project, but I, I have to be in the mindset and willingness to do it as well as it deserves to be done. Okay. Um, and and it hasn't hit me yet. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of times, these uh, these projects, they, they develop themselves through experimentation. Mm-hmm. And I go out and I try different things. And then, you know, you hit a note and you're like, oh, there it is. Let's keep doing this. And then you try a couple more and you're like, yeah, this, this, is, this is something that I want to do. Hmm. Um, so it's in large part the idea of exp- exploration. But, like, a dream project in its totality would be, like, the ability to create freely. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be... I guess no the dream yeah. that would allow you to create multiple projects to just be able to and that's that's all I think most artists want is the ability to financially be able to support themselves in a way that they can Do continue they to want. make cool shit
0: that yeah. they love yeah yeah I appreciate that. Um, I I think I've had just like a really different life experience from a lot of other artists because I got my sole focus for so much of my life was just financial. And it's sort of been a relief almost that like that's not my number one priority anymore because like I've made money in my life. Uh, You know, I'm broke now, but like I'm happier than I've ever been to some degrees. It's weird. Like it's because I've sort of been able to find that comfort and that uh, sort of confidence in my own skin, I don't, I know that the money will be there. I'll, I'll put the manifestation out there that I'll be financially successful because everything else has sort of fallen into place. Um, but I, I, I totally get that. I, I I understand how that feels. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, well, I
1: do, I mean, I do still have like financial concerns. Sure. And <laughs> so what I've decided is that if I'm going to do something else to earn money, I want it to be, have nothing to do with photography. Hmm. I'm going to reserve photography to be a special thing. And I think that any time that... For, and this is completely for me personally. Um, anytime I've done photography that I didn't want to do for money, it it hurts. And it I, sucks. And it, and it makes me lose interest. It takes It takes away from my creativity and my my energy to do the things in photography that i really want to do so i I was doing real estate photography and i decided to just get my real estate license instead and now i don't do real estate photography anymore um even though sometimes it pays well you know like i'm just like no i don't i don't want to
0: that goes back to the wedding conversation, right? Like as a photographer, like I can easily go shoot a wedding and make a lot of money and I'll probably want to throw my camera in a lake somewhere because just artistically it's stifling, right? There's no nothing that I can do that will put be like John, right? Yeah. So I feel that a lot. I, I shot a 30th birthday party probably like three, four months ago and it took me all my strength not to jump off the roof of the building that we were in because it was like, cool, I'm getting paid to do the thing I love and I love to do this, but artistically it suffocated me. It made me feel... Like, this is not my thing, right? Yeah. It, it, it totally detracted from that. So, uh, But
1: I, I, there are people that can go in and do that and bring their artistic flavor in there and be really connected with the moment and the in- intimacy that maybe the couple is sharing and kind of like bring themselves and their vision into that to make it happen.
0: Yeah. I, I'm jealous of those people because if I could shoot weddings and make a lot of money, I wouldn't have to worry about paying rent, which would be nice. But that's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, I like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing a little bit of like a rapid Q&A. Okay. Um, uh, car horn aside. There's um, New York City. <laughs> some of these are super easy. Some of them are a little bit more in depth. But my first question is, what is your favorite book? My favorite
1: book? Um, or books. Or books. I don't know. I think the Four Agreements was a really good
0: one. Great book. Yeah. I think Briany. I think Briany might have uh, recommended that book. No, never mind. I take no. it back. Shaking, <laughs> she's shaking her head. No. no. Obviously, podcasts and Twitter Spaces are a really good place for visual representations of what's going on in real life. <laughs> I mean, it's it's if if you can
1: if you can apply some of the things that are that are kind of taught in that, then you know they can be they can be helpful in a certain way. But you don't need to, it doesn't need to be one hundred percent rigid. But I think it's a good
0: Gen- general framework general framework oh right untethered soul no one else heard that because you don't have a microphone but Brian he said untethered soul
1: <laughs> and I think uh, I think Dr. Seuss has a story about the Sneeches.
0: oh I thought you were going to say green eggs and ham no oh, yeah. the
1: Sneeches. so there's star belly Sneeches and there's uh, there's Sneeches with none mm-hmm. and it's a story about how they get all worked up about like you know, the Sneetches will, with none want a star, and then since they got stars, and the Starbelly ones didn't want the stars anymore, and then this guy made a machine that would, like, take them off and on for them, and he made a ton of money because they were crazy about being better than the other person. And I think the Sneetches is a really good, <laughs> good life lesson.
0: Um, and I'm not familiar with that one, but... No. Uh, no, no. But I'll put it on my list. I'm sure I could find it. Or it might be one of the Dr. Seuss ones that got thrown out (laughs) during the great cancellation of 2020. Um, What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie
1: is Total Recall, the original. That's a good one. Yeah.
0: I actually watched that not too long ago. Uh, I think it's on HBO Max. I've been going through a phase where I've been watching a lot of old, like, 80s movies, like Mm -hmm. Total Recall, uh, the original Blade Runner, which... This I don't know if you saw Twenty Forty Nine. Yeah, cinematically, visually fucking, stunning, so, yeah. so good. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. Um, what's your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show.
1: Let me think about that. I mean, Sopranos is uh, a The Wire. Oh yeah. The wire was good.
0: That, so it, it used to be a, a lot for those people who are Netflix babies. There used to be the thing where they would put one episode on a week, and mm-hmm. Sunday night wire and Sunday night Soprano was like must-watch TV for the vast majority of my you know fifteen to twenty-five. Yeah, Ugh.
1: I also liked Fargo a lot. It was a weird, quirky yeah. kind of show, it, and very artistically based a lot of times. Um,
0: I like that. V- show visually, I felt the storylines occasionally were like yeah, a little like confusing. Lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. What's yeah. uh, what's your favorite food? Uh, pork chop and applesauce, or no, no, no. I'm <laughs> not
1: really a sauce guy.
0: Oh, okay, hot sauce?
1: Not really. I mean,
0: ketchup? Sure. No, nah, <laughs> maybe on French fries. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Uh, man. It, that's supposed to be like a quick one you're no. supposed to answer that no, I, sa- I said i said something the i said some are hard
1: <laughs> you're supposed to answer that quickly uh i don't know man um you know like i think the the concept of fear being an illusion you mm-hmm. know and the idea that a lot of fears that we experience in life are just because we we make the consequences up in our head and we don't We don't know what the future is. We don't know what's going to happen because like, so, so we create these roadblocks for ourselves and, and to try to walk through those fears. So that's not like a specific thing somebody said, but I would say that that is, that's something that's always sticks with me.
0: I like that. That goes with my, the best thing anyone ever told me is to not worry about the wreckage of the future, right? Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You can keep yourself up at night worrying about what that may be. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I appreciate that a lot. I I, I like that. Um, Do you believe in an afterlife?
1: I believe that we don't know anything.
0: I wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to give like a maybe yes, maybe no. I I
1: can't, you know, cuz I mean the the universe might be infinite. There's a there's a good there's like there's some evidence that shows and there's or theories that proclaim that the universe is infinite. And the thing about that is that infinity is incomprehensible for us. We really can't understand what that means. Yeah. But it implies that anything, like, any. we just don't know, you know? Like, uh, if you go smaller and smaller than a molecule, we're talking about, like, light waves that are doing things in different shapes. And that's, mm-hmm. like, the building blocks of everything that we understand. So you know black holes man like yeah. what the fuck interstellar so, right? like to, <laughs> to talk about the possibility of afterlife and how the exchange of energy and if the soul stays intact or if there is a soul in the first place or how any of that stuff works is uh
0: or if we're sitting in a computer right now right? yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> is is one that um i can't presume to have any idea how to answer
0: that's fair yeah, I, I often just think like the sheer improbable fact that I exist, right? That like we're sitting here having this conversation, there has to be something, right? Like, just, just like it's improbable that like one out of a fuck I think it's one in 800 billion that you're born or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. That to me is like in a weird way divine. And I don't like ascribe it to any sort of religion or anything like that, but just like the sheer audacity that I'm a cognitive being in the grand scheme of infiniteness. To me, is sort of it's relaxing to know that. I think there has to be something, yeah, um, yeah. That's the philosophical. I would, for the I podcast. would <laughs> I would hope. Yeah, you know, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm open to it. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Um, last question. Give me uh, something that you've recently consumed. It could be a book, a movie, podcast, TV show, music album, something that you've seen at NFT NYC, just something that you've recently consumed that you'd like uh, all the listeners to check out.
1: Something that I've recently consumed that I would like all listeners to check out. I don't know. Can I? Can I check for? Ref- I don't. I don't know.
0: Okay. Yeah. I recently watched uh, Spiderhead on Netflix with okay. Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. Very fucking weird weirdly entertaining it's like one of those things like you watch the movie and you're like was that really good was that really bad did i just enjoy it because it was super entertaining yeah chris hemsworth plays the complete opposite of like thor and he does it in a manner that is weirdly appealing Mm -hmm. and i think he showed a pretty good artistic range in the role and i think that's probably why i liked it but yeah it was it was a bizarre one for sure
1: (laughs) i think that so Ryan and I put together this show, and I, I've been so consumed and focused on putting this together um, that that I've kind of like I haven't paid paid enough attention to a lot of the other things that I would have liked to. And that's what happens sometimes when you put a lot of energy into into something. Sometimes you get um, some of the blinders on. Mm. Um, but there's there's so much amazing stuff going on here that it's hard to just pick one thing that specifically that specifically I love her or, or am attracted to and and, and want to promote. mm
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well listen, Ryan I uh, I'm incredibly appreciative. You know what
1: I am gonna you know I am gonna say that Ryan has created I mean I we did this show together, right? So but I have been immersed in this piece and she so she created this quilt that has hundreds of different quotes on it. Mm-hmm. And they're done in such a simplistic, humanistic way that sometimes when you're reading these quotes on this giant quilt that took her three years to make, that out of nowhere you're going across and you're reading, yeah, uh, took a communion, took vitamins. Like these are things that we do in life. And then you read one that just like hits you in the stomach and you almost like are brought to tears. And it's so interesting that like a simple three-letter sentence or four-letter sentence can slap you in the face like that but it's presented and done in such a beautiful way that um if if i were to if i were to say something struck me and it's been my face the whole week yeah. right um i would say that and i would say check her out and follow her
0: yeah well brian he's one of my favorite human beings and very thankful to have uh met her acquaintance many many well it was probably like five days ago but in you know in digital landscape of <laughs> nft twitter is probably like you know it feels like two years but it was probably five days um but yeah she's the best and if you guys are in new york city come down to eldridge street 134 the lower draw amazing photos of uh brian's polaroid work and, and some of brian's amazing quote work um brian i'm incredibly appreciative for uh, you to take the time out and do this podcast with me today it's been my my real pleasure i have a very cheesy line if you've been on my podcast you're part of my family welcome and uh, thank you so much for for doing this
1: absolutely man i had a great time and i appreciate you taking interest in my work and in my life story and my journey in photography so my pleasure you, man. yeah
0: all right thanks so much buddy take care